0: welcome to city church city church is a biblically based relationally driven spirit-led church encouraging everyone to follow jesus and serve others we're excited to share this sermon with you today and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com
1: merry christmas let's try that again merry christmas Again, so thankful that you've joined with us for this Christmas Eve service, as well as here in the sanctuary, as well as gathering with us online. There's little doubt that this has been one of the strangest years. I've been serving in ministry for decades, and I think that this Christmas Eve, quite honestly, probably most closely mirrors the life that Mary and Joseph were living that Jesus was born into and through. There's just something about this year that has really called all of us, whether we're people of faith or we're checking out faith, it's called us to be a group of people that really consider the most important things in life. Now, this Christmas Eve evening service is the last sermon I'm going to be preaching in the Incarnation series. And the title for this sermon is, What Are You Looking For?, What are you looking for? And the question I would have at the outset is how many of you still have not purchased Christmas gifts? How many of you are praying that Amazon shows up some point in time this evening? You know, it's kind of interesting to note that yesterday some of the gifts that I had purchased for people that I love dearly finally arrived And what was fascinating about that is I've become convinced that St. Nick now has a ninth reindeer, an additional reindeer just for this year. And um, the reason why I know that is I was tracking my package on my app, sawing it zigzag across the country, and I know that St. Nick was involved with that, but this additional reindeer, their name is spelled A-M-A-Z-O-N. That's just what I figured out throughout this Christmas season. Now, I had an experience today where I went to purchase a gift for someone that I love. And when I went, I'll be honest with you, I did not know what I was looking for. But I know them, and I love them dearly, and I knew that when I saw it or when I found it, I would see it and I would know it, and thank God that happened. But I think there's something to be said when we talk about Christmas Eve to say to ourselves, what is it that I'm looking for? Because the passage that I'm getting ready to read from the Gospel of Matthew, beginning with chapter 2, takes us on a journey where people are looking for something specifically, and they find it. They end up finding it. And the journey that had called them concluded with the actual seeing and experiencing what it is that they wanted to experience and see. Before we read... The text that I'm going to read this evening, I wanted to bring to us two quotes that I would like sort of to frame the reading of Scripture. The first one is a quote taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14. Maybe you're someone who's just checking out faith, you're new to the Bible, maybe you've never read the Bible before, but the book of Isaiah was written 700 years before Jesus was born. And in that book, the book of Isaiah, it's the most quoted Older Testament book in the Newer Testament, other than the book of Psalms. But in the book of Isaiah, in that book, there's a prophecy that actually gets quoted in Matthew chapter one. But that prophecy, or that quote, says this, Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we'll call him Emmanuel. What the Older Testament prophet was saying is that when you hear a story of a virgin who gives birth to a son, just know that that's a sign. And the sign is this. It's that Emmanuel, God is with us. That's the first quote that I wanted to bring to us to kind of get us ready for the reading of Scripture. And the second quote is written by a doctor, a very famous doctor. He graduated from Dartmouth as well as Oxford University in England. And here's his quote that I would like to read in order to frame the reading of Scripture. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came somehow or other. It came just the same. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzing. How could it be so? It came without ribbons, it came without tags, it came without boxes and packages and bags. He puzzled and puzzled till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas perhaps means a little bit more. And what happened then? well, in whoville they say, that the grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. My prayer is, as we look at this ancient story, that your heart would grow towards faith in Jesus. The text that I'm going to read is found in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Here's what the scripture tells us. By the way, I'm going to read it and then just kind of pause and give a little thought just so we can all be tracking together. Here's what the text tells us. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem. The idea here in the Gospel of Matthew is, is the Gospel assumes, Matthew assumes, you know about those people, that you know who King Herod is and that you know who the Magi are. But a lot of us don't, so I wanted to pause and make sure that we all understand what we're talking about. The King Herod here is Herod the Great. Herod the Great is known for building incredible buildings all throughout Israel. He was sort of the Roman puppet king over the Jewish people. The other thing you need to know is he was absolutely ruthless. He executed his favorite wife, he executed three of his sons because he felt like they were trying to take over his throne. The other thing that we need to know is that magi were a group of people who had come from some distance away. No one's absolutely sure how far they've traveled, but all biblical scholars know that they traveled somewhere between three months and up to two years. What we know is they took a long trip The other thing that all biblical scholars pretty much agree about is that magi were stargazers. They were astronomers. They were people that traveled long distances by observing the stars. And so here we find in our story that we have King Herod. He's ruthless and cruel. He won't give up his power for anyone, not even his family. As a matter of fact, Caesar Augustus said of King Herod, it was safer to be his swine than his son. And then we have the Magi. They're on a mission. They've come a long way. And now we pick up our reading. Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who was born king of the Jews? We, we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. Do you know now Why? Jerusalem was disturbed with him because if anyone threatened his throne, heads roll. Reading on, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. Now there's a quote from the Older Testament. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. By the way, that's why people believe there were three kings, because there were three gifts, but that's not what the Bible teaches. We don't know how many of them that there were. And reading on, it says, And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. What I want to do this evening as we prepare ourselves for Christmas is I want us to have some simple thoughts some things that we can think about and reflect upon. And I really wrestled this week to try to read this story for the very first time. I've preached on it for decades. And what I prayed for and asked God for is that I could see this story with kind of brand new eyes. And so in that, there's a few things that I would like for us to think about and to ponder. Maybe you're a person of faith. Maybe you're not. You're kind of looking over the wall at faith. I think this is one of those sermons that's going to help you. Now, here's what the Scripture tells us, that magi came to worship the newborn king. Now, we learn from the Gospel of Luke that Jesus was laid in a manger. And here in front of you, I have a crib. This crib is a very unique crib in the sense of my family. And here's why. In 1931, my mother-in-law, Joan Pachoni, was placed in this crib by Nanny Sarah Carai, her mother. And she placed her in this crib. So if you do the math, this coming year, this crib will be 90 years old. My mother-in-law will be 90 this coming year. And so my mother-in-law, Joan Pachoni, in 1931, she was placed in this crib. And then my mother-in-law had a daughter named by the name of Fran Pechoni. And Fran Pechoni, my wife, was placed in the in this crib in the year 19 from his bump. And that's <laughs> when she was placed in this crib. And then following that, Fran and I've had three children. So my son was placed in this crib just like Jesus was placed in a manger. And so in my home, if the Magi had come to my home, they would have found my son placed in this crib because that's what we do as being in the heritage of Fran's family. Now, the scripture tells us that the Magi followed a star. Now, how many of you have observed the star this week that the Magi followed? Did you get to see it? I was actually in South Carolina visiting my mom And I looked up and I saw what was called the Bethlehem Star. How many of this is becoming a little more familiar? I think my family said it was cloudy here and they didn't get to quite see it. But in South Carolina, it was crystal clear and I got to see the Bethlehem Star. Interestingly enough, what's known as the Bethlehem Star isn't a star. It's actually Jupiter and Saturn apparently coming close together. I looked it up and... Coming close together is more really being in alignment. They are 456 million miles apart. To give you a sense of things, it's about 239,000 miles between the earth and the sun. I'm sorry, between the moon and the earth. And it's about 149.6 million miles between the earth and the sun. And so the distance between Saturn and Jupiter is 456 million miles. It's three times the distance from the earth to the sun. And yet, the idea is some say that's the star, that's the Bethlehem star that the Magi followed. We don't really know what body in the sky, what light in the sky led them, but the scripture says it was a star. And that brings me to my first thought. It's this. God uses the natural and the spiritual to guide us. He uses both. Because as I was trying to read this story with fresh eyes, as though I'd never read it before, what kind of struck me was our reading ended with God speaking to the Magi in a dream. So he could have just given them a dream. And that would have guided them over those three months to two years. But he didn't. God chose a star. And I begin to ask myself why. Why would God choose a star when he could have used a dream and he'd already used dreams to speak to Joseph and other New Testament people? But he chose a star. And here's what I realized. God used a star... Because the Magi were into astronomy. That was a passion for them. It was an area of interest for them. And so God spoke to them through an area that they would understand, kind of an arena of life where they had knowledge and they had interest and they had a passion for it. And again, notice that it's natural. That somehow God's using a star to guide their lives. And I wanna say this to all of us God still does that today. God brings us to Jesus, and He brings us to the manger. He brings us here, and sometimes He uses natural things. Let me explain. I have friends of mine who have found Jesus because of natural things. What do I mean? things like a passion for a sport. I've watched at the University of Virginia where wrestlers on the wrestling team at UVA have come to faith in Christ because they had a mutual passion, a natural uh, concern or interest in wrestling, and they met someone else that did as well, and the conversations began, and they began to observe the other wrestler's life who was a Jesus follower, and God used something natural for the supernatural to come alive in their hearts. I've also watched down through the years as friends of mine, God has used natural things in their lives to see them come to the manger and to observe the Christ child. Some, it's been addiction, natural things. God has used that to open up their eyes of faith and the need of something greater. And some friends of mine truly have come to faith because they had a baby that was born. And when they looked at that little child, their little child, there was something about that that drew them towards faith. But again, I wanna make mention that this story has reminded me again, and I wanna remind all of us that God uses natural things in our lives, not just spiritual ones, although they can become that. The next thought I had, and I think this is important, The journey of faith is not always quick, easy, or immediately clear. You would notice that the Magi had taken a long journey to find the Christ child. Again, biblical scholars say it's between three months or up to two years that they traveled. You'll notice in the story that the star was there for them, and then all of a sudden the star must have disappeared because they began asking for directions and they went and they sought help. But it's undoubtedly true that their journey took trust, faith, effort, focus, and determination. So does everyone's faith in this room. Faith, again, is not always quick, easy, or immediately clear. It is for some people, but it wasn't for me. My faith journey was much like that of the Magi. There was a process. God used natural things in my life to begin to open up my heart to who Jesus is. The other quick thought that I have is this, is that on a faith journey, we need the help of others. Notice what the Magi did. There was that natural star. They're following it. They're pursuing it. They're trusting. They're focusing. And then the star apparently disappeared. And they went and asked for help. The problem is, they asked the wrong dude for help. They went to Herod. There's a lesson there too. Who do you go to ask for help of if you're seeking something of faith? But here's what I believe with all my heart, is that I believe God directed them to go and ask Herod because Herod needed to hear about the birth of Jesus too. He needed to hear it too. The other thought that I've had is I've tried to look at this story with fresh eyes is this, is that the Bible provides essential guidance for finding Jesus. Notice in the story, that even Herod knew that if he was going to discover something about the newborn king of the Jews, that somehow the scripture would tell him. So he brings together the biblical scholars and he asks them where the child is to be born because even Herod knew the Bible would give that data. And it does. The Bible prophetically speaks and announces where the Christ is to be born. So when we think about a life of faith, just know this, that God uses natural things. Know that a journey of faith is not always easy or quick or immediately clear. Know that on a journey of faith, we need the help of others, whether you're just checking out faith or you've walked with Jesus for years. But this is so important that the Bible provides essential guidance for us to be a people that end up finding Jesus, truly finding him. As I think about the Bible and bringing guidance to us to find Jesus, I think of that prophecy I read at the beginning of our reading, Isaiah seven fourteen. It says, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And when you hear that that has happened, you know that Emmanuel, God, is now with us. The reason why we are here this evening is because Emmanuel is true. God, through Christ, God, through the incarnation, has now become one of us. And he truly is Emmanuel. God with us how do we put feet to our faith with what we've learned well we begin here with the original question what are you looking for what are you looking for the magi were looking for a king and they found him but here's what I know is that Herod the Great was shown the scriptures and told the prophecy but he never took the journey. That's important to know. That one of the main characters that's introduced to us at the beginning of our reading, reading, Herod the Great, King Herod was told about the scriptures. He was told about the prophecy. He knew that Jesus had been born and he did not even take the six mile journey to go and meet him. He never made the trip. So what I think is that the gospel story is trying to tell us that if we're going to find Jesus, we must make the trip for ourselves. Sure, he sent the Magi, but that's not how it works. No one else's faith can become yours. You have to go for yourself. And in the end, I wanted to remind us again that the journey of faith is not always quick, easy, or immediate and clear. But what I do know is it takes faith, humility, and trust. In the end, God's hope for all of us through Christmas, God's hope for all of us on this Christmas Eve is that we would stand with the Magi and we would look into the manger and we would again hear the story of the Christ child. And when we do, we can find what we're looking for. We can look into this crib and into this manger and know for sure that Emmanuel, God, is with me. We can look again at the story of the birth of Jesus into this world. And if we are but willing to humble ourselves, set aside our pride, and put our faith and our hope and our trust in Him, then we will know that Emmanuel truly is with us. The story that we read ends the following way. It tells us that the Magi returned home by another route. When you meet Jesus, you will not go home the same. There will be something that transforms in your heart in your life. You may have stood at this crib a thousand times and have said yes every time. My prayer is it would be new to you just like the day it was written 2,000 years ago or maybe for the first time in your life, whether worshiping here in this sanctuary or online with us. You are now at the crib and the first time ever looking at the birth of Jesus, you're asking yourself this question, hmm, what is it? that I'm looking for? Better yet, what is it that I'm looking at? Am I looking at just a baby? Or am I looking in to the manger where Jesus was born? And for the first time, I've come to believe that that child truly is the Son of God, that he is the incarnation of the living God, and that you would do what the Magi did, and that is, Stand and worship Him because He truly is worthy of all of our praise. If you've never said yes to Jesus, I'm going to lead us in a brief prayer. And in this prayer, I'm going to simply pray out loud, but maybe for the first time ever, whether in this sanctuary or worshiping with us online, you would want to pray the prayer because you now believe that in Christ you can find what you're looking for. So I'd ask that you would pray with me and a prayer would go something like this. Dear Jesus, I don't know everything there is about you to know. But what I do know, and I've come to believe, that you are the Christ. You're the King of the Jews. You are the incarnation of the living God. And in this moment, I choose to put my faith, my hope, and my trust in you. Jesus, please, be my Emmanuel. Be my God with me. And I believe this, and I trust in it. In Jesus' name, in Christ's name, amen, amen, and amen. At this time, I'm going to ask that we would stand together. And as we stand together... We're going to worship together to silent night. In order to do that, we're going to be dimming some lights here in the sanctuary. But what we're going to do normally, we would have one candle up front and one individual, usually a child would light their candle and kind of walk the aisles and light everyone down the aisle and then we pass it through the room. But because of COVID, we're not going to do that. What we're going to ask that you would do is that one member of your party, your group, or if you're here by yourself, obviously do this for yourself. But there are candles along the walls. There are candles here up front. And what we simply ask that you would do is light your candle, one person from each group. Go ahead and light your candle. Go back and light the candles of the others so you can feel free to go ahead and do that at this time.
0: So Sleep
1: hold the candles up. Let's close our eyes and open up our hearts to the present working of God's Spirit. Jesus, the text teaches us that you are to be called the Prince of Peace. I pray a blessing of peace over each one of us scripture teaches us that you are the hope of the world lord god rejuvenate our hope jesus the text teaches us that you are the love of god made flesh fill our hearts again with your love we so desperately need it and we pray for this in the name of jesus Now, may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. May the Lord turn his countenance toward you and give you his peace in Christ's name. Amen, amen,
0: Amen, and amen. Merry Christmas.